filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. start the show by complaining about something that has been driving me nuts uh, since I saw it. Um, And it's actually the Atlanta United TIFO that they put on national TV before beating Charlotte. That TIFO TIFO is iffy for a a couple reasons, honestly. Yes, it has has a few different uh, things. I, I, there are some funny, like kind of comedic things. There's a certain angle of hip posture that I think uh, has to be laughed the, at more than anything. the placement of mls cup in relation to the subject yeah. behind it um all of that uh i'm sure people had a uh, have had and will have a good laugh at but to me like this is a billionaire like the tifo is of arthur blank the multi-billionaire owner of atlanta united um and yes he is one of the more well-liked owners around mls i think most teams fan bases would like to have arthur blank um the combination of resources and willingness to spend uh those resources on the team but like do you need to make a a tifo for a billionaire that this is already a billionaire um the act of being a billionaire is itself uh vulgar and i feel like uh morally irredeemable um so is that the person that you want to then spend like days painting it because like making tifo is hard work it's Um, a commitment the like if you've been following some of the DC fans this year, they've been tweeting out their um uh Tifo painting. Um I've been trying to retweet them when I see them. Um so if you're listening to the show and you're involved in that, you know, feel free to tag me on those because I'm glad to share because I know you guys need all hands on deck. Um because they're days long to... projects. Yeah, it's it's real work. Um I know this is this is one of the many things with American soccer that we I think people who haven't done it before tend to think it's not that hard. And then when you get there, it's like, Oh, this is actually very hard. Um, but I also want to shout out DC fans. Cause I don't think we're ever going to see at least with the fan base as it is comprised today, a gigantic TIFO dedicated to not just a billionaire owner of the team, but literally any billionaire, um, maybe like a fictional billionaire. Like I could, I could conceive of a Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck. McDuck. Yeah. A Scrooge McDuck TIFO at a DC United game happening before an actual living human being billionaire Tifo, which is good because Scrooge McDuck is inherently funny. Uh, he is a Scottish duck who tries to swim in gold coins and uh, succeeds at swimming through gold coins. Right. Now what I want to see, and if this happens, then I, I would, I love it because now I, I, I've talked myself into it in my head very quickly. I want to see this, a parody of Atlanta's Tifo because their their tifo was we are it was arthur blank wearing a shirt that said we are that city and it had their four trophies right in front of it um and it was mocking charlotte who have existed for all of two games at that point yes. for not You're having won any trophies for not having not won anything yet which, they've, they've just they've just gotten here i understand you know saying you're new you're new here you have no history but saying you haven't won anything in your two games that's uh 
I think it says more about you than it does about them. And I love, I actually love Atlanta's fans unironically. I think like they are big and annoying and they've earned being big and annoying and they should remain big and annoying because that's who they are. And it's awesome. Um, DC United used to be like that. And I want that again. And now what I want is a parody of that TIFO with Scrooge McDuck wearing a DC United kit saying, with the 14 trophies lined up in front of him. And he's not wearing pants because he's Scrooge McDuck. So it makes the placement of the trophies even funnier. <laughs> okay. So I I was kind of also thinking of the fact that Atlanta is bragging about having four trophies in year, what's now year five for them at DC entered year five with eight trophies. So I feel like we also, we still have the, like the one era where doing this to everybody was like justifiable. Um, And so I think still justifiable. Yeah. Um, Maybe I think I misspoke. I think I said 14 trophies when I meant 13 for DC United, but that's still a lot more than, than four. Maybe wait for Atlanta to come to town. Um, Yeah. That's when it would have to be. um, Which is actually kind of coming up though. There's a, inexplicable international break uh thanks a lot fifa but um this is a this is only a complaint about one thing uh i'll save fifa for later don't make tifo for billionaires they they haven't earned it um their actions justify criticism only and not veneration don't do this to yourselves hey hey welcome in this is filibuster the black and red united and tifo thoughts podcast Uh, i'm i I thought you were gonna say eat the rich podcast (laughs) I'm not not saying that. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm Adam Taylor. He's Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley has no voice right now. And because podcasting is an audio medium, um, he, he decided not to try to press his luck and signal his thoughts through the video call that we're on. Uh, he, he decided discretion was the better part of valor and, and took the week off. Uh, this week we are talking about DC United's unfortunate two nothing loss to the Chicago Fire at a, an incredibly cold and wet and miserable Audi Field. Later in the week we will have a preview of DC United's visit up to Toronto with uh, Kristen Knowles. You can watch that one Saturday, three PM on NBC Sports Washington, Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, or ESPN Plus, and you can listen to it on 104.7 Wonk FM or the iHeartRadio app uh, in Spanish there, too, which is good. More more bilingual broadcasting, says I. Um, before we do anything else, though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I have a uh, City State Lost Laws Pilsner. Um, I went out and bought beer knowing that I wanted to have some spicy food. I usually want a Pilsner with spicy food. And sure enough, tonight I had pepperoni pizza and I'm now on my second Lost Lost Pilsner. It's quite good. Uh, it is. City State, uh, very close to uh, to Adam's home. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, DC United fan Ben Mailer. Uh, I don't know if he's listening, but if he is, I believe is still doing the graphic design for them. So yep. uh, keeping it keeping it close to home. Uh, and and the beer is legit good. It's not just a uh, buying it as a as a favor to anyone. It's just good beer. Yeah, they, their space is cool too. It's right there next to the train tracks, accessible by the Met Branch Trail, so you can literally bike to the brewery. Very nice. Uh, and it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Um, 
I, I've got something from an even smaller brewery called my friend Pete, who's a, a, a pretty talented home brewer who has no interest in going commercial. Just one uh, Pete, though. We're not talking about it is. Pete and Pete. No, no, it is one Pete. He's not a redhead. Uh, he has what? no association with Artie, the strongest man in the world. Um, I don't know if he has anyone named Ellen in his life. Which Pete is he more similar to? Oh, um, it's got to be Little Pete. He's yeah. he's much more nonsensical drama than relationship drama okay. in, in my almost 20 years of knowing him. Uh, but he, uh, last weekend, when the weather was nice, had a kick the kegs party so that he had would have space for the new beer he was brewing <laughs> and uh, sent us home with a couple of bottles of, of something else. So in my fridge, I have a Russian Imperial Stout that I'm saving uh, because it's a very big beer being an Imperial Stout. And instead, I'm drinking the blueberry sour that or black, excuse me, blackberry sour that that he gave me. And it's quite good. It's a tasty Mm -hmm. little sour. Um, So I'm a fan. Uh, You can't buy this beer, though. So I was going to say, go get yourself some by finding which Pete we're talking about. Yeah. Finding him uh, until he gives you some beer. Yeah. Uh, Pete's a good dude. You should you should befriend Pete. Yeah, friends of Pete, the podcast right here. Um, God, we're really going hard on the '90s references. A uh, <laughs> uh, rentals reference, uh, the, just after an Adventures of Pete and Pete reference. Good good luck, younger listeners. <laughs> Gen Z, just skip this one. You're not you're not no, going to no. enjoy. Look it. up look up the Adventures of Pete and Pete, and look up the yes. rentals. Um, these are not like Limp Bizkit, uh terrible '90s memories. These no. are these are things that were actually pretty good. Uh, DC United's perfect start to the 2022 season was frozen in its tracks Sunday or Saturday night in what was almost certainly the most unpleasant conditions for a game in Audi Field's short history. Uh, Chicago took advantage of a first half deflected through ball, I think is how I'm going to characterize that, um, to to take a lead and then added a late insurance goal to walk out 2 nothing winners. Um, DC United conceded a goal, lost a game, both for the first time this season. Um, first question I got to ask, Jason, have you thought out yet? Uh, I I eventually got it together. Um, I got home. I ate some fast food um, and slowly but surely got myself there. I brought um, this is the, the press box life that uh, I'm privileged enough to lead. Not only was I protected from the wind by glass, though, though I will say one of the glass panels of the press box, the building has settled. And it it doesn't want to. There's a little lock on there, and it the lock doesn't want to reach into the space it needs to recess into to hold it in place. And the wind gusts were actually making it fly like flat back and forth. Oh wow! Um, uh, so yeah, that was that was the kind of night it was at Audi Field. But yeah, uh, definitely thought out. Uh, definitely had my like fingers exposed briefly while walking to my car, and noticed that my my like just the finger area was turning like beet red from just the cold. Cause it got yep. worse is the thing. Like if you were at this game, you, you, it ended, you hustled to your car because you didn't want to be miserably cold anymore. It got worse. Like Audi field got windier and colder in like the hour and a half. I was there doing work 
and and heading out. It was much worse afterwards, which is stupid. It was already stupid cold <laughs> during the game. The fact that it got worse is a just morally incorrect on the part of Mother Nature, I think. Um, yes. I ended up missing this game, but mm-hmm. what I remember from my undergrad at Purdue is when the weather got below 20 degrees Fahrenheit was when the only way I could survive outside was muttering obscenities as I walked completely bundled up and everything just it, it was just too cold to exist mm-hmm. without yep. cursing um I, I will say there were there were probably I don't know they didn't announce that they've kind of stopped I think MLS wide they kind of stopped telling you the attendance unless you really seek it out um I would say there were probably about four to five thousand people there which is more than I thought um because of the the the, the fact that we had the threat of um snow slush etc uh I, I know the roads were clear, I think, because people were like, it, the roads might not be in good shape, so I'm going to stay home instead. So my drive-in was actually very easy because everyone was just home being warm. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was uh, not a good night to do sports. Um, I think that's a fair statement. Um, if you if you heard from the post-game press conference, um, Losada mentioned that the grass was long. You probably noticed it from the way the ball was running. Um, the reason the grass was long, I found out from the team, is that the time of day that would have gone to uh, mowing the field was instead, instead allotted to snow removal. Uh, they they could not get the snow removed from the field in a fast enough fashion to then cut the grass. So they just had to not do it. Um, so, yeah, the that the explains had, a lot of under hit passes. Yes, because it wasn't just the wind, which is what your first instinct might be, was that the wind was so strong that even a, well, some a ball of it, on my, the ground. My first instinct for some of it was Adrian Perez under hit that pass. Sure. Because he did it a lot. He did. But no, the, the grass was long. They didn't get it cut because they were busy removing snow. Um, and And, you know, I guess credit to the organization because they had two different games in two different locations that are very far apart uh, to get fields cleared in time to play. And they managed to get both of those games played. Uh, Loudon got their game played uh, as well. They actually, um, if, if we want to expand out a little further, there was a third game to be played uh, on DC United property. The spirit did not play their preseason game because ultimately uh, I think they had six people trying to shovel the field clear. And at a certain point it was like, this is a lost cause. Like the game, the start time is going to come and we're not going to have like 50% of the job done. So we're going to give up on this. So um, but yeah, the DC, they played with the orange ball uh, though. I, I don't think it was necessary. I think it was a little, a little silly uh, because there wasn't snow on the field, nor was there snow falling, but it is fun. I, I think it's a fun departure, but the game itself, not super fun though. I don't know. I, Adam, I don't know how you felt about this. I didn't think that this deserved to go down as a loss. I don't think they deserved to win, but I don't think they really deserved to lose either. No, I think it was some of the good fortune that we were riding in those those first two games just fell against it mm. in, in this one. Because that first goal, like if Brad Smith hits it any way but where he did, and he wasn't really in control of where it went, just ricocheted off of him as he's running, trying to get his body turned right. And it just happened to fall exactly the wrong way for DC United. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. Bill Hamid can do at that point. It's just, you hope the attacker messes it up and he didn't. Um, And then the second goal comes from DC United, pushing everybody up and being disorganized. And that happens when you're down in the 80th minute, trying to push and push and push. 
in conditions like this and it just didn't happen. But um, like there weren't a ton of other big chances for Chicago either. Like I think DC United actually had more expected goals in this one they did. and, and also had a better goals added from, from American soccer analysis, mm-hmm. both on attack and defense. So it, it's not like they were dominant or anything. I'm not Caleb Porter out here saying, you know, that this game we lost, we should have won for nothing like that. That would be ridiculous. Uh, but I think, yeah, a, a scoreless draw is probably what this game deserved. Um, and given yeah. Chicago, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I can't blame Chicago for showing up to play very structured soccer and, and look to hit on the break. Um, they are trying after years of not having their feet under them to have their feet under them a little bit. Um, and you can't blame them for it. They've got three shutouts. Um, and, and to be fair to them, DC, a lot of the times DC looked dangerous. It didn't end in a chance. It was Mm -hmm. the threat of danger, not actual danger, or you had, you know, a crowd of people at one point, you know, Slonina gets, uh, dumped into the net at one point by uh, a herd of men uh, crashing into him, you know, fouls going to get called there 99% of the time. And that's exactly what happened. Um, It was stuff like that, where it's like, you know, you kind of expect something to happen. You kind of lean forward in your seat a little bit, but no actual thing came out of it. There wasn't the like, Oh, he just, he just missed the chance. It was a lot of almost there. Um, and, you know, to a certain extent, Chicago kind of invites that feeling. There's a little bit of Ben Olsen, DC United about Chicago yeah. right now, um, where they will concede a lot of the ball. DC had 55% of the possession, which, given their proclivity to go direct, is fairly high for them. Um, but you also see things like DC United took seven shots that got blocked. Um there were, it was a lot of, you know, this is an old, like, 2015 DC United thing of, like, leading the league in block shots. Not a lot of Put fun. bodies in front of the goal. But the ball, like, if you keep blocking the ball, the ball probably isn't going to go in the goal. Um, that's how physics work. Um, and that's what Chicago did. They just kept having a herd of guys in the middle, in the goal mouth, and DC didn't have the tools to unlock it. And that's kind of the dynamic of the game. Yeah, and Gagaslanina made one good reaction save early mm-hmm. on a an Ola Kamara header that came off of a deflected uh, Edison Flores shot, and yep. that was that was really kind of all he had to do for most of the game. And, and, and you know the the you know the thing there was like Kamara had to jump up and head that early, so he couldn't power it. Yeah. So he ended up having to try and improvise by like f- trying to pop it up and over Slonina, mm-hmm. who saw who also read the situation. It was like, oh, he's going to try and go over me because he's not, he can't snap it down. Um, and so it ended up not being all that difficult of a stop um, because he made the read correctly. But yeah, it was it was a lot of that where it was almost dangerous and almost a chance, but not an actual chance. And so you get you know a shot map where a lot of DC shots are in the box, but what you're missing in the context of is how many white shirts are between that shot and the goal. And it's probably like four or yeah. six or 10. Um, so yeah, uh, that's unfortunately, that's kind of the way of the world for DC right now that if you're not one of the more talented or more dogmatic teams in the league right now, why would you come to Audi field and try and play an open game? 
because Charlotte came in and didn't play an open game. Uh, and yes, DC won that game three, nothing, but everyone that saw it agreed that three, nothing was, was not a fair indication. Just uh, like two, nothing sure. wasn't a fair indication here, but right. yeah, DC United's not breaking you down right now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you're Atlanta in a couple of weeks, I think Atlanta's fairly pragmatic right now. And Joseph Martinez doesn't look that explosive. Did I say two weeks? I mean, in April at some point, because that's the <laughs> international break. Um, but yeah, when, when Atlanta comes up here, I do not expect them to play a wide open game. I expect them to play on the counter because that's kind of the challenge you leave for D. I don't think TFC is going to do that. We're, we'll talk about that in our other episode, but um, yeah, I think DC has got a real problem here and it's that there is an avenue to beat DC as they are comprised right now because they don't have the common, they don't have a dribbler. I wrote about this on the site, the, the that second dribbler, they've got Andy Nahar. Andy Nahar gave easily the, the two moments in this game that I think got people excited were both Andy Nahar, little moments of skill. Um, the, the little flick he had uh, on uh, Fabian Herbers, just sort of um, Herbers was running into pressure him and he just gave it the pop the ball up over him a little mm-hmm. bit and ran past him. Um, so Nahar is great, but you need like a second, person somewhere in the lineup to provide especially one a little bit further up the field um because nahar is not really gonna he only has so many chances to get up the field and dribble to create chaos and it's always going to be in no no wider than the half space right and you don't have anyone out wide that can just completely break open a defense by beating a man on the dribble i think the the next best dribbler we have is probably sophie and jafal at this point and, and, and he's more of a like invite crowds and dribble out of it so that you can move the ball along. Yeah, um, exactly. That's going to be circulation, not, not yeah, which um, can be valuable, but it's not going to completely unbalance a defense the way Kevin Paredes could do it. Right, and, and this is you know a thing that they, it's not like I, I can't say that Losada is making the bad choice in not fielding somebody to solve that problem. That, that person not a, isn't on the team. Um, that he does not have that player at his disposal right now. Um, so yeah, they, they're missing that and they're missing um, a little sharpness off the ball. Uh, that is something that I, I do think that that's not one that it's any particular player needs to be started. It's nothing like that. I think they made the right choice. We talked about this last week with um, Kamara or Estrada. I think Losada made the right choice in going with Kamara instead. I think he's been the better player over the course of the games this year. Yeah. Um, but you still, you're still running into a problem where, where, who else is helping disorganize the defense enough that Kamara is getting open. Um, and right now the runs have not really been great, no matter who's been out there. Um, this was, you know, on one hand, Edison Flores taking a step forward in terms of activity level and intensity and involvement in the game but it still wasn't that much. Um, yeah. And this was, this was the step forward or at least a step forward, hopefully not the only one, but yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's just some missing ingredients and there's, you know, it can be managed around with time, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, these right. are things where these are things that make the game easier and they're missing. So DC has to do it the hard way. Yeah. And it's, it, it's unfortunate because the, they're, the missing ingredients are are ingredients that they thought they had until into preseason. Right. Cause we've already mentioned Kevin Prades. Those off the ball runs are something Paul Areola, That's, that's his game is off the ball runs. He's really good at them and he just never stops making them. 
And that's something United needs right now. Cause you know that Flores is going to look for the ball. He's going to not going to make that direct run to goal. And then in midfield, we have an injury and mm-hmm. our main ball winner and the guy who can transition uh, attacks from your know, transition defense into attack really quickly in the middle of the field is been hurt with a groin injury. Maybe yeah. he's back for Toronto. We don't know. Um, at this point, I would expect him to be back for that Atlanta game after the international break. But if we get him before it's, that, even better. It, it sounded like he was close uh, for this game. So hopefully he can participate to some degree against TFC. Um, you know, because that is something else that's missing is that um, the other midfielders that have gotten time, they're all kind of more someone you would place next to the ball winner um, than they are the ball winner. Um and so you end up with in this game or, you know, in game one, at, there was a stretch of time or no, not game one, game two, where Drew Skundrich is dropping between the center backs. That's not really his game. He's not that kind of um, guy that starts your possessions out. That's not really him. Um, but DC needed somebody to do it. And that's kind of the story of Drew Skundrich's time with the team is that they yeah. need someone to do it. And he's the guy for the job. Um I thought he and Jafal in this game did all right. I think Jafal on the ball was pretty good, um, mm-hmm. but you're still, you're not, there's not a natural defensive midfielder, true six in the mix there. And it's no mistake that Chicago gets what turned out to be the game winner in a moment of transition. Um, and it's Shakiri gets into a space that maybe he doesn't have if Canals is in the game because Canals has one, he's just faster than the other players that are central midfielders on the team. But two, that that long experience and that that sense of where to be in that position defensively gets him closer to Shakiri in that moment than I think anyone else on the team would have been able to. Um, it is kind of a shame for Brad Smith that he got into position to defuse that counter and then the ball comes off of him in the way that only made it like easier for Ivanov to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because he he did the thing that he needed to do. The, the hard part was like, I need to make this hard run to cut this specific angle off at the back post so that maybe Shakiri doesn't make this pass and he holds play up and then we get more guys back, etc. And he does get into position and Shakiri goes to make the pass and you're like, great, Smith is there. He's going to intercept this and this counter is going to go away. And instead, you know, they get nope. the easiest chance of the game that either team created. Um, but yeah, it the things that are missing are not easily dealt with. And it's kind of a frustrating situation to be in where you can't say, okay, this is what they need to do. There's a clear path towards fixing the problem. There is, but it's, you can't fix it. You know, you, you know, you can't tell the coach to change something and it'll make canals. Right. Feel you're, you're waiting for taxi to arrive, which hopefully is in the, the coming days or weeks. It sounds like the, he, it sounds like he wants to come. He, it sounds it like sounds he's like holding like, out at, yeah. at rapid at this point, like yeah, he's calling in sick basically. basically. Um, yeah. And it, so the update there is not only are rapid out of the Europa conference league, but possibly even more importantly for, for them, they, Austria has the Austrian Bundesliga is into their second phase now where after, all 12 teams play each other twice. They split in half and the top six play each other twice again. And the bottom half play each other twice again. 
the top half is a championship playoff, which RB Salzburg is is going to win, running away. And then the bottom half is a relegation playoff. And uh, thanks to apparently the replacement to Taxi, Rapid are in the top half. They finished mm-hmm. fifth at, at the halfway point. And so they don't have to, or not the halfway point, the, the breaking point. And so they really have nothing to play for. They're not going to win the championship. They're not going to be relegated. They're, they're kind of playing out the string. So why not let Taxi go? And I think that's what he thinks. That's what DC United obviously thinks. Uh, it's just a question of whether that'll actually happen before right. the, the primary transfer window closes in MLS the beginning of May mm-hmm. or early May. Um, and then after that, you know, you got to wait till July because right. there, there's no other reinforcements coming before then. And DC United needs some reinforcements, especially in central midfield, because when Russell Knauss isn't out there, we're missing a lot. And, right. um, you know, Taxi's going to make up for some deficits in the attack, but not necessarily yeah, more, all of them. More in the Areola department. Um, yes. Like, he doesn't solve the dribbling thing, I don't think, but he does, or he's supposed to solve the movement and pressing and high energy aspect. Uh, right. It's not, that, it's not that the guys that have been out there haven't been, like Griffin Yao's working very hard. No, everyone's working hard. Yeah, um, Adrian Harris, what he does is work hard. Yeah, there, there's just a certain lack of sharpness that um, you know, that that final third when things get difficult, when the spaces get tight, um, that they haven't been able to quite provide, and that's that's what Taxi is supposed to do. Um, but that yeah. still leaves you missing the other ingredient, which I think is the more important one. Um, yeah, to to be frank, so um, yeah, that's the challenge for DC is. Can you find someone? Can you even acquire someone who's worth acquiring um, with the amount of cap space that is available, which is, of course, a mystery because it's MLS. We don't know. We have to assume they've got some room. We have to assume they've got some general allocation money because we we, we know about what went on with those trades and, and those transfers. But um, is that kind of player available before the summer window? Probably not. Um, I, I don't expect... Um, the next dribbling uh, asset to come to the team to arrive before then, um, which means you got to find a new way to play because if it's going to be the wingbacks are creating most of the chances with crosses, you've got to find a way to feed them. And DC is not really feeding them very much right now either. And part of that is, you know, it used to be Nahar, Gressel and Ariola combining because they're so good combining to get Julian Gressel these crossing opportunities but now you don't have Ariola, you don't really have the familiarity on the left side, and you also, you know, Burnbaum's just not going to, or in this game, Heinz, like, they aren't really super comfortable pushing up and being that extra man. So the combinations have been harder to come by, so the crosses aren't as common, and so it's kind of a domino effect that's happening with the attack, and the the quality of chances is just not there yet. Yeah, but they're not, they're not coming from any angles. Um... Right really. And defenses are having time to, to get back And The press isn't working either because teams are not playing into it by and so large. Far, yeah. So far, I think TFC is going to, uh, because Bob Bradley is very dogmatic about wanting right. to keep the ball, but it'll be a first, uh, for right. the season. But last year when DC United were playing well, they were able to, they didn't have to rely on the press and the press only. Whereas right now that, that seems like the only option. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're they're not able to move the ball quickly enough or cleanly enough, 
because, you know, I, I think some of that is beyond the dribbling aspect. Drew Scundrich isn't the, the cleanest ball in the player. Adrian Perez isn't the cleanest, uh, sorry, player on the ball. Um, and so just you, you can't move the ball quite as quickly. Edison Flores has been hesitant when he got mm. the ball. You saw it on uh, the, sh- the the shot that led to uh, Ola Kamara's chance is he just sat on the ball and waited for a run to develop. And yeah. Paul Ariel is not there. The run didn't develop. So he, he had to take a shot, basically. Um, we don't have players getting to the end line and doing those cutback crosses, which are basically the highest leverage play you can make in the game is that that cutback from the end line. It, it's just they're not creating the kinds of chances that lead to lots of goals. I do want to. I want to throw in here. I'm looking at FB Ref as we're talking about this, um, and it I, it does kind of remind me that uh, as a reminder to all of us, I think of how far DC came last year. This is still a team that is currently sitting tied for 11th in expected goals uh, per FB Ref's uh, metric, which I believe is Opta. So they're pulling the same data as MLS Soccer. Um, so tied for 11th in MLS after this game. It's not like you know, 2020 MLS is back DC United where they had like three scoring chances for the entire tournament. Um, it has been, you know, down from last year. Certainly we're used to being elite in this department and now not so much, but not so much doesn't mean like atrocious. It doesn't mean still, that still have been top half of the league, Yeah, but it's not... Just not what we, it's not what we're used to. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't I don't know what the approach here is from Losada. It's kind of the first time he's been tested in this department as to do you accept for the time being that maybe you're only a upper middle class MLS team uh in terms of attack creation and so you need to be high end defensive um and, and focused on that department so that you're winning one nothing like we saw early last year where DC was kind of you know, the the idea of risk avoidance came up a few mm-hmm. times and they were trying to make sure that, you know, while they're getting up to speed on the pressing stuff and and the attacking principles to at least not give anything away, um, that might be where this has to go for maybe for until the summer, quite frankly, because if this team can't just go out and score a ton of goals, they can't play the open soccer we saw last year um, without taking a major risk of losing a bunch of shootouts because you don't have the firepower that the other teams have. Um, so that might be the direction DC's headed in. And if they are heading that direction, then they probably need to shore up the defending because that has been actually, you know, that's more not down near the bottom, but definitely not as good as last year. Um, I think, I think they've, their expected goals. They're actually, their difference is negative uh, 0.5. Um, they're they've given up 4.8 expected goals after three games not very good not terrible but not very good um not not the level that we need right if you can't score then that has to be um you have to be pretty high up in that category to get by you you have to be doing what chicago's doing uh on Mm -hmm. on this department um so dc is kind of stuck in the middle and that's not a not a fun place to be right now yeah so the changes aren't obvious that they you know, you got to get Russell Knauss back and players got to play better. I think, I think we probably see Griffin Yao or, or someone with a little more 
attacking spark than Adrian Perez. I think, I think his selection was down t- a little bit to Chicago's combativeness and knowing that you needed someone to get in there and battle with them. And also the conditions, uh, just a direct player who will run and run and run. And in those conditions, maybe that helps. Um, I, I don't know. I, he didn't impress me. I know he, he underhit a lot of passes. Some of that's on the grass. Sure. Some of it is you do on have to adjust at him not adjusting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he also wasn't the only culprit there. No. And I, especially with the need to get into the attack, I want to see more attacking skill up there. A little more, I, a, a little more urgency. Yeah, or from from Losada, from players like right, which is like, Griffin Yao's, uh, you know, kind of his strong suit is the insistence that he has that something happened. Um, it's not a lot of patience <laughs> there. Um, and, yes. and I, I'll throw in if we're going to um talk about that spot as between the two of them, Griffin Yao has had some success against TFC over the years. Um, you know, maybe some of it is a weird fluke of timing, but he has done well against TFC, and maybe um maybe there's a little bit more of that in there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of inclined to agree that um, I, I don't know if he's going to solve either of the problems we've talked about, but one thing he does bring to the table is a certain scrappiness that if the ball is going to be pinging around in the box, Griffin Yao is the kind of guy that tends to get on those. Um, and so maybe that, that scrappiness that, that, um, in just that instinct for the loose ball or turning the shot that gets deflected into a goal rather than one that goes wide. Maybe there's something to that Um, because this is a DC team that you you mentioned that early chance uh, from Kamara and they had an early chance in uh, the game before this. They had an early chance against Charlotte. If they get those to fall, I think these games get a lot easier. Um, I think Chicago in particular, if you score early on them and they have to open up, the game is much easier for DC right now. Um, so some of it is they just need to find a way through earlier in games uh, and get the other team to have to open up because then I think DC is going to start finding the game. It's going to be a lot easier for them to do. The, you know, I said earlier, they kind of have to do it the hard way. If you can get the other team to open up, it's not so it's not that difficult a path to tread anymore. Um, you're going to start finding more space, more room for the the wingbacks to, to run uh, more, you know, freedom when the forwards are running onto those cutbacks and crosses. More opportunities there's, to press potentially right. too. Like there, like we saw against Charlotte, the press yeah. in that first game, the press didn't really get going until late when Charlotte were trying to push to get something. And they ran out, out of, of it. gas, which Lozada talked a lot about the fact that the fitness side of the game yeah. um really helped them kind of squelch Charlotte at the end, which is, you know, all that's well and good, but you you've got to find that breakthrough and it can't be yeah, you know the game settles into a rhythm that first half hour and this DC team last year needed those early goals. Um, and this year they need them more, uh, much yeah. more. So um, the system yeah, works it, better with an early goal. And I mean, to be fair, every most systems do. does. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think there is something to maybe taking the gamble of the player that is more high risk with, which would be Yao in this case. Um, taking that risk early. Um, I think I've talked on the podcast a few times about my uh, belief that if you have a player who is only half an hour or 45 minutes, especially if they're an attacking player, um, it would be better to front load their minutes and just be upfront with everyone and say like, listen, you know, our playmaker can only play half an hour. He doesn't have the legs to do any more than that. 
we're going to try and use that half an hour to get the lead and maybe get a second goal. Um, we're going to push now rather than need to push later. Um, because if, if our push doesn't succeed up front, we've still got avenues to go and win the game. Whereas if it's the end of the game and the other team is up, then it's like, well, if our push doesn't work, then we've, the game's over. We've lost. There's no, there's nowhere to go from right. there. Um, so yeah, I, I would endorse, uh, that thought process, um, in bringing someone like Yao back in the lineup. And I do think, you know, as to whether DC might, you know, fiddle with the formation again on the road, I don't think against TFC you need to. I think you need to put your best pressing lineup on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, that still seems like a team playing three up front rather than two with an attacking midfielder um, or anything like that. I I think they need to stick with three up front and, you know, get Yao in there. Um, maybe even consider some of these guys that went to Loudon um, yeah. and didn't just win, but like they outplayed Indy. They put Indy outplayed. off the field. They yeah, played them uh, completely out of the building. Uh, I, I want to say um, one of, I can't remember off the top of my head. I haven't watched that game yet, but I did see a stat that one of Loudon's defenders had 116 pass attempts to give you an idea of how much they had the ball. Wow. Um, so in general, you know, you look at Ted Cudi Pietro, who got the assist on the goal. Kimarni yep. Smith got the goal. Birthday um, boy Kimarni Smith with the goal. Yeah, uh, and exactly. the assist wasn't just like he happened to have the pass before no, it. He it, got the he ball in his own it. half, yeah. ran past four or five defenders, and then played a perfect ball into Kimarni Smith's stride. First time, yeah. I think it was left-footed, uh, yeah. upper V just overpowered the keeper. It was it was a yeah. great play from both of them. Uh, now, now, you know, I, I don't know exactly because I, like I said, I kind of expect Canals to be involved. So that gives you 20, um, assuming no injuries, um, plus Niamh and comes back off suspension. So now you've got 21 uh, vying for 20. But um, part of the thing lately is that DC's bench has been very defender heavy. Um, mm-hmm. Usually one more defender than they actually need uh, to get through the game. Out of necessity, it's been like, well, these are the guys that are healthy. Um if you offered me the chance to add someone like Cudi Pietro, who has that um, Griffin Yao insistence, uh, that that ability to sort of make things happen through sheer effort and desire, um, to go with good technical skill, like you just said, Adam, the assist was not just a guy working hard. Um, you know, maybe that's worth mixing in right now, just to just to give DC that extra wild card to play off the bench, where it's not, um, you know if they need to add an attacker, they're bringing in Chris Odoyachem and moving Andy Nahar out of the back, which isn't really adding an attacker. It's just right. moving an attack, an attack minded guy further forward. It's not the same thing. Um, yeah. I, I think that is something that is maybe worth considering though. I know Cudi Pietro had an injury, so there's, you know, this might've partially just been to get him some minutes in a lower consequence environment, but they got to start considering something something um and you know there aren't too many other places to turn as well like it's not it's not like there are many options and i'm picking one out of a hat it's like well there are like three or four options and you got to do something um because we saw the end of this game dc fielding three number nines at the same time um not really conducive i mean it's not really recognition of of the conditions too. just yeah boot it forward and let them try to work cause some chaos up there and see if a forward can can be the one getting a shot away 
um, which is all well and good. It's, and it's better good than have... moving Stephen Birnbaum up top with no yes. other ideas. And it's good having Nigel Roberta uh, available. It's, yeah. He's a, a different dynamic up front, but at the same time, you do kind of, if you've got three number nines up there, you're losing a lot of subtlety um, because they're yeah. number nines and they're, they're like, they're not false nines. They're not, um, you know, yep. if remember Ola Jason Kamara's, subtext is for cowards. Yes, absolutely. If Ola Kamara is your, your <laughs> number nine who is looking to check off and connect, it's like, well, something's gone wrong here because that's not him. Like we're, we're misusing him as well. Um, so yeah, uh, I would I would at least consider it just to give DC a, a little something they don't have right now, um, because that is something that's whether it's maybe just winning free kicks to go back to Yao. That's another thing he's been yeah. good at is um, winning some getting fouled because DC didn't create too many good free kicks in this game either. That's that's something those dribblers help you with too. Is yeah, they, they win fouls. Um, yeah, Paredes was was. The funny thing about Paredes last year is it, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. His, his foul, the number of times he was fouled in a game per or per 90 or whatever, wasn't super high. It's just that it probably feels higher than it was because of where he was getting fouled. Um, he was getting fouled in spots where the da- the free kick would be dangerous. And you're more likely mm-hmm. to remember who won the foul when you get a good free kick opportunity rather than one that's like, at midfield near the touchline. That's not a very good free kick opportunity. Yeah. Um, Although uh, that that's where Chicago's first goal came from was a yes. phantom foul. Frankly, Ola Kamara <laughs> got fouled and played through it and got whistled for a foul. Mm-hmm. And then that free kick somehow turns into uh, the, the chance that led to Chicago's first goal. And now I'm mad about it all over again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's MLS. Um, yeah. To a certain extent, you just have to be prepared that, um, uh, you're going to have a foul that doesn't go called that is going to be consequential. And um, I, I do recall there being like a very brief, um, the game didn't kick off immediately. And I almost, I have half a mind of like, did VAR say like, well, let's like informally, I mean, they're supposed to, um, but maybe they, I hope that they took at least a glance at that one. And it wasn't like, let's look at what happened for Chicago on their goal. Let's, let's look what happened, how they won the ball. Um, but in any case, right, but because the, I, I don't think they could overturn that because right. it was not a part of that play. It was a dead ball. Right. And, and that's it. Like what created the dead ball is not reviewable right. at that point. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I mean, DC United has to defend that. Like they have to do better, not let that chance develop the way it did, but it's still, it sticks in my craw, you know? Oh Yeah. Um, yeah, especially it's not the first time, like that's been a theme this year. Brad Smith fights through something, uh, and then gets called for a foul, even though he got fouled multiple times and fought through it and then gets whistled for nonsense. It's, it seems to be happening, uh, once or twice a game and it's, you know, it's not any one referee. It's just something that I hope is not turning into a, a a real pattern. Yeah. Before I start just, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'll just I'll just say I pull up the the map of where DC's fouls where they won their fouls in this game, and there's only four of them that are in dangerous positions. Um, most of the rest of them are at midfield or even Br- Brandon Heinzeit got fouled inside DC's own box at one point. Um, but yeah, like four of the fifteen, I think it is four of the fifteen or four of the fourteen are dangerous. And if DC is going to be a team that needs to lean on set piece creativity. Um, that's fine. That got them a penalty kick in, in Cincinnati, which got them a win. Though that wasn't 
that I, I guess that's not really free kick creativity so much as look, Steve Burnbaum's pretty big. Uh, kick the ball He's towards him and see what happens. Um, maybe but, uh, maybe Jeff Cameron throws his arm out in a weird way. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, they are going to have to find a way to manufacture some uh, some more free kicks or be a little sharper on corners because I, I don't think they were particularly threatening on corner kicks in this game. Um, some of that was Chicago. Uh, they deserve some credit. And DC was dedicating resources to this. Um, if you go ahead and if you want to pause a corner kick in this game to see where DC's players are, uh, Bill Hamid is inside the center circle. Uh, they have three guys lingering outside the box. Uh, Gressel's taking the corner and everyone else is in the area. Everyone is within 30 yards of goal except for Bill Hamid. So they're really aggressively, you know, taking a chance. They're taking a big risk on this. And I think it's probably because they know that this is, for the time being, a bigger, it's a higher priority chance for them than it normally would be. Right. Um, because of what's lacking. But at the same time, the execution has to be a little better to turn that risk into something worthwhile. Well, we'll see if DC United can get it right in Toronto. Uh, be sure to tune in later this week for our interview with Kristen Knowles from the Vocal Minority Podcast. If you are a Patreon supporter, patreon.com slash filibuster, you can listen to it right now um, over there at that website because... We love our patrons. We love our supporters. And we like to give you perks like early access to those episodes. For everyone else, find our written content at blackandredunited.com. On Twitter, the website is blackandredu. Uh, the, this this year podcast is at filibusterdcu. Jason is at jasondcsoccer. I am at 202amt. Because Ben refused to read my Twitter off last week, I am refusing to read his off right now. Yes. Suck it, Ben. Uh, (laughs) send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com download subscribe uh, good ratings and written reviews wherever you get your podcasts tell a friend about the show word of mouth has always been and will always be the best form of advertising for jason and the absent ben i'm adam we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason eat the rich